This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Hey up, it's the No Name Ever podcast. With your host, Jamie Smith. Good evening, I'm Jamie Smith, I'm your host tonight for the Normal Name Ever podcast. My guests tonight are Kevin Robinson, James Bird, Daniel Bentley, Andy Devaney and Adam Howarth is our producer. Um, no news this week, so we'll go straight into the Birmingham game first. Tuesday night, 3-0 home win. Andy, you were there for us, what did you make of that performance? I think it was superb and you can't forget Danny Ings scoring two goals. <laughs> 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 uh, we played well. Um, yeah, you might have to come back to me on that one. <laughs> well, especially, especially like last week's podcast, we're all a bit morose. I think after the the draw with Rovers, so it was so good to see a strong, positive performance and get back to winning ways straight away. And it, I think, it's a sign of what we've got going at the moment that we're able to do that. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's that's the as, as disappointing as it is, what not beating Rovers um, to come back and win. It's against anyone's, uh, you know, it's good. It motivates the team and it sort of keeps the spirit up, which obviously reflected in uh, yesterday's uh, Saturday's game as well. Absolutely. And we'll come to Leeds a little bit later on, but just to stick with Birmingham for now, Kevin, um, there were signs that the strike force, the, the Ving strike force, as we've decided we're going to call it, it's really starting to come together. There was a couple of assists for Sam Volks for Danny Ings in that Birmingham game. Definitely, yeah. Um, I think that's that's one of the one of the things I've really picked up on in that match was was that both of Ings' goals were were pretty much created by um, by Volks. Uh, I think he's he's been Volks has been involved in in most of our goals this week. Um, obviously, it, it was a I, I mentioned it was a world class through ball for for Volks for the opener against Birmingham. Um, he had a neat, important touch for the third. Um, he created space for our field uh, for his opener at Leeds. I mean, obviously, he's got the winner himself, um, and obviously, obviously, Danny Ings scoring all, scoring the, most of the goals. Um, I think Danny Ings, um, Sam, sorry, Sam Vox is probably involved, evolved in even more. Uh, they're linking up really well, and it's a, I think it's a sign of a, a, a strong, a strong team when when both um, strikes are combining so well. 
to come to you, James, um, do you think that that strike force, the Vink strike force, is one of the reasons we've started the season so well? And against Birmingham, of course, uh, they were absolutely dominant in that game. Yeah, I mean, I think um, 4 to, four four two clearly suits the players that, that Dyche is involved in at the moment. And I think Ings is one of those players who's a bit, bit slighter, probably than most forwards. I think he needs a big man next to him. And obviously Sam Vokes, Sam Vokes is a big man. And he controls the ball really well, which you know, makes it possible for him to hold it up while reinforcements arrive. And as well, that Birmingham game, um, just to come back to what Kevin was saying about the Sam Vokes assist, that was possibly the, the best assist we've seen this season. Would you think that's a fair thing to say, the, the pass for the opening goal? Mm. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> um, it's probably not what you normally expect from, uh, from Sam Vokes, but I mean, if he keeps doing it, no one's going to complain. He's shown he's got that in his locker, hasn't he? You sounded a little bit um, um, <laughs> unsure about that, Daniel. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. And I think I think that we've had some cracking assists this season. That's all. I mean, it was good, but I, I think um, Tracy's touch for Ings against Ings Derby. Yeah, that yeah, was good. That, that was, that, good was that was the best one we've had this season. I mean, obviously. Ings had a lot more to do to actually score, but that touch from Keith was class. But um, just on on the on the Vings partnership, um, I said a couple of podcasts ago that Volks was going to be you know pretty crucial to to the productivity of, of our goals going forward, and he's just shown that it's 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 really impressive because um, in the Bolton game. He, he just didn't look at all with it. And, um, I mean, that was, looking back on it, a pretty poor performance by the standards that we're now setting. So he stepped up and, 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 and the rest of the team's come along with him. Well, point on I think, the, I think um, sorry, go on, Kevin. So just to add to the, what, about to the, the Vaux assist against Birmingham the, uh, for the opener, I think what was particularly impressive as well was, was just how fast it was. So, I mean, the ball came to him and then, in a in a blink, it was it was down the field at, at Danny Ings's feet. It's not like he didn't have any any time to think about it. And I think he he's shown that through this season. I think he's shown that he's a very quick thinker and he can think and act very quickly. And I think that's something he doesn't get enough quite enough credit for. Just some of the point you made there as well, Daniel. I think we've got to remember for the Bolton game that Sam Bucks would have been assuming he wasn't going to be playing a couple of games before that match because of course Charlie Austin was still with us. Um, but to come back to you, Andy, obviously you're Danny Ings' number one fan, you're our Ings' yes. person, pretty much. <laughs> do you think both Ings and Volks, do you think they're benefiting from the fact they know they're going to play every week and they're learning their own roles now and they're building that partnership over time because they know they're going to play every week? Yeah, I think I think uh, players playing together regularly, you, you definitely get a partnership. I, I think they, they remind me a little bit of... Um, like when Andy Payton and Andy Cook were playing up front together. Um, I've never, never been a big Vokes fan since he turned up, but um, he's kind of growing on me because he's doing a job. Um, he's putting some great balls through. He's holding the ball up. He's scoring goals. So, you know, what, what more do you need out of a striker? And Michael Kiteley as well. He seems to be settling in pretty well. What do you make of Kiteley so far, Andy? Um, not much. <laughs> I don't really seem to have seen noticed him very much to be honest um yeah I'd... 
bad answer, I suppose. But uh, yeah, um, in, Arfield's yeah, impressive. Really yeah, I, I think we'll come back to Arfield a bit later. But just on Kitely, the fact that I think he came in for the derby, I think that was a, a tricky way for him to come in. Uh, James, to come for you on Kitely. Do you think that was a, a good addition? He's sort of basically come in for Ross Wallace, hasn't he? Ross Wallace being out injured long term. Um, I think on paper he's a good addition, but I don't think we've seen the reasons why yet. Uh, I was really delighted actually to be honest with bringing him in. It was a great piece of business, but I don't think we've really seen his full potential. If you get the player who's there, you know when he played for Wolves a few seasons ago, then obviously he's, he could be a difference maker. But from what we've seen so far, I, I'm not that enthusiastic about his start. Well, he put a good cross in for. Um, I think it was the. the... Was it the first goal at Leeds? I'm not sure. I think you've got points to make on the, the Birmingham game before we move on, Kevin. Uh, yeah, well, it's, it's on Kitely, Kitely mostly. I think I think we've just got to remember that he's very, he's played very little football um, so far. He's I don't think he's played any 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 football for Stoke, and then I don't think he played much pre-season either. So he's really catching up. I was I'm surprised he's played he's played so much football for us so far. I thought I was surprised he started against Blackburn. Uh, I was started. Surprised he started against Birmingham, and I'm surprised he's played again. So I think we've got to have have some patience with him, just because he's not played a lot of football and he's still catching up, kind of fitness wise and getting into his rhythm. But um, you know, you know, can't ask more than his sister so far. So I don't think we can have too much complaints. He's shown some good touches, Andy Carley, but I think I think we're probably all a little bit surprised that he went in the side for the for the Blackman Rovers game, but. Daish has been insistent that he wants to play the same team as often as possible and I think the fact that that side is now starting to really gel is one of the reasons behind our success. Um, we'll move on to Leeds next then. Obviously an excellent performance at Leeds, probably even better than the, the Birmingham win and to get a 2-1 win at Ellen Road. Um, James, your previous encounters column, it just showed how bad our recent record was there so a huge result for us to win at Leeds on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's massive. Um it's one of those games where you almost expect us to lose, if anything. Um, as it did show that it was the last five games in a row we'd all lost. Um, and they just seem to get the rub of the green when we go go there. I mean, obviously, you've had uh, the sendings off of like Trippier and a few other controversial incidents. It seems like it's never really going to go our way at Ellen Road. But obviously, it has done this time. And I think we've, it was probably an excellent team performance. And what it sounded like when I haven't seen the highlights, but it sounded like it was the you know the kind of performance that can get promoted. Well, to be two 0 up at Ellen Road at half time, that is the sort of the sort of showing that we'll start getting people excited. Um, Kevin, the thing I noticed about the Leeds highlights was the goals were sort of a bit scrappy, really. And it's a lot of the goals we scored this year have been quite well worked, so it was good to see that we're capable of scoring these little scruffy, ugly goals like the the Sam Volks one was following up a rebound and things like that. I'll just show that we're going to score lots of different types of goals. And I think that's a really good point. Definitely, yeah. I think I think that's something we've we've lacked in the last few years, actually. Um, and obviously, Charlie Austin was a great finisher. But other than him, we we we've, we we've tended to create to, to create a lot of chances, but not not really put, put them away as much. Whereas I think that's what we're doing this season. I think, it, it, like I say, it's, it's really good to see we're showing a wide range of goals, not not just scoring the you know the great goals. We can really get in there and graft and. And bosh him in, as uh, as I'm sure Daniel would say if he was uh, <laughs> if you'd asked him that question. Um, but yeah, the really good battling goals. And I think that's that's the type of uh, you know goals you really need because we're shown that we're not just we're not just a pretty team who's going to pass it about like Arsenal. We can really battle as well, which is um, really encouraging. 
and Scott Arfield, Andy, you mentioned him earlier. It was good to see him get um, another goal that was two in two, two in two games for Arfield after obviously that mistake against Rovers that possibly cost us the game. Is he making it up to you? Have you forgiven him yet? Uh, yeah, I think so. He's uh, he might be my favourite player if he keeps going at that rate. He might, he might get thirty goals. <laughs> But he's getting he's getting better as Arfield. I mean, it's a way to to come back from 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 what he did at Blackburn. You know, he, he didn't really intentionally, obviously, but to then come back and score a couple is definitely going to sort of boost his confidence and getting seven, what seven points out of three games. And Blackburn have had two, so you know it's it's good. It's all good. Absolutely. There was a few Burnley fans on Twitter pointing out that Rovers were celebrating the draw against us at the turf last weekend as if they'd won it. And we've just gone on and won a couple of games on the back of that. Um, up to second in the league, of course. I don't think we've mentioned that. Burnley went second in the league with uh, the win at Leeds, which means we can go top on Saturday. Um, I think one Never saw that coming. No, exactly. I mean, when we were doing all our pre-season predictions, I think we were all saying about mid-table, maybe sneak into the playoffs. So, um, Daniel, do you think it's a bit too early to be getting excited or are you getting already looking forward to what could be a good season? It, it, I mean, there's so many factors. I'll, I'll say all things being equal and this 11 staying fit, then playoffs are definitely a, a good shout, as long as there's nothing to really ups, upset the apple cart there. Uh, this 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 squad for whatever reason, you know, you go through each player, compare them to others in the league, and you know, there's not really um, there's, there's probably no one who would make a championship eleven, maybe other than you know Trippier right back. Heaton's maybe got a good shout as being one of the form keepers, but you know, as a, as an eleven, we're probably not. That strong, it's just you know. Again, I've got a feeling at, at like um, two thousand eight, two thousand nine season where you just had the right group of characters together, and uh, it makes things happen. Uh, characters are really important point. I think um, some of the press guys um, we've had on in the past, and we'll get on in the future. They mention character a lot because they they see the players in training and they get to speak to them more often than people like we do. And character is one of the things that they say. Is that something you've noticed as well around the squad, um, James, that it's quite a tight-knit group because the squad's so small and they seem to have this sort of determination to go on? Uh, I mean, it looks to be the case. Uh, If you hear what the lads were saying when obviously Keith came back and sort of talked about his demons, it all sounded like the whole squad were around him. I think having that kind of team spirit can only be a good thing, really. Absolutely. We don't want to draw too many comparisons to the promotion season, but I think players like Sam Volks bringing the others into the place, sort of like Thompson did, and Danny Ings scoring plenty of goals. There are parallels that we can start to start to draw from those. Um, Kevin, you had a point to make on the league placing, I think. Yeah. Um, I think, while... Well, regardless, obviously, second is still higher than we all expected. But I think on the first podcast before, at the start of the season, we all said that we had a really strong eleven. I think we all said we had, you know, one of, one of the strongest 11s in the league. But there was little behind it, and and that's still that's still true. It won't be that numbers or strength. Um, up front, we've got literally nobody. We've got Ryan Noble, who is 
probably if, I think even if one of his strikers got injured, Wayne Noble wouldn't get a game because he's just he's, he's in for the development squad. That's what he's here for. And he's not been in I mean, the squad, Noble. Sorry to interrupt. He's not been in the squad for the last couple of games since exactly. Yeah, since Kyler came in on loan, there's obviously been one less space in the squad, and we've been going into matches without a striker even on the bench. So it's a good job we've not really had to chase any matches yet. Yeah, and the, and the other and the other point is that even when we have in, in the positions we have got numbers, we haven't got the strength. So I think we were talking on the on the live blog after. After Jones got injured, we were discussing maybe maybe he could be out for some time. We were talking about the the options in centre midfield, and there are quite a lot of numbers. There's there's Edgar, there's the Stock, Arfield can go in there, we can get Bartley back in um, in January, but none of those can really come close to to David Jones. So well, even where, even we've even where we've got numbers, we haven't got the strength. So, like I say, we've got a strong eleven, but the real um, challenges will come when that starts to break up a little bit. Yeah, obviously David Jones, I think we were all concerned when he went down in that Leeds game, but um, the club said afterwards that it was just a bad gash, which sounds like it's quite bad actually, but um, it's better than what we thought it could have been. There was some chat on Twitter that it could have been a break, so we're all really relieved that that it's just a bad gash. I I repeat, that's a bad gash for David Jones, and I'm going to stop saying that. But um, I think we'll we'll miss... Thank you, thank you. I'm here all <laughs> evening. Um, I'm really distracted now. Uh, Jones, so yeah, we'll miss Jones for the Forest game. But uh, what do you think about midfield options for if Jones is out long term, Andy? Do you think we've got enough in there, or would you be looking to replace him with a loan? Um, I think he's um, he's going to be all right. I think, isn't he? He's he's hard, and he said it was just a, a, a cut. <laughs> no. <laughs> if this double entendre keep coming up, I'm not going to keep whipping them out like that. I don't think it's anything to worry about yet because they said he was. Uh, they said it was just a cut on his knee. Um, so yeah. it, it, I reckon it'll be all right. I reckon yeah. it'll be all right, and I'm sure Dash has a has a cunning plan. We've got, we've got, Edgar, we've got Edgar anyway because I like Edgar, so I'd be quite happy if Edgar stepped in. To be honest. I said online today that David Eggers first reserve in about 12 different positions. He's certainly <laughs> the utility He's the modern-day Andy Farrell. Absolutely. I'm sure if... Um, well, we're not exactly short of goalkeepers, but I'm sure if we needed one, Edgar would be the one pulling the gloves on if we're in a desperate situation. Um, I think we'll start with the quiz now, I think. It's quite a good quiz question this week. Have you got the quiz music there for me, please, Adam? Thanks very much. So the quiz question this week is a historical one. And it's one for some of the best Burnley players in in the club's history, really. So it'll be a good test of the panel's knowledge. And if you're out there, you can get involved as well on the live chat. Yeah, this this one's the new one. You're the old one. (laughs) You're you're the. I'm just going to say Lenny John Rose is just going to be the answer, isn't he? Answer. Do you want to even hear the question before you start guessing? (laughs) <laughs> anyway, as I was saying, if you're on the live chat, do chuck your answer in. And if you're um, commenting on Twitter as well, use the hashtag NNMPod and we'll get your answer in as well. So the question is, post-war, 18 Burnley players have scored more than 50 league goals for the club. So who are the 18 One players? Season. Um, no, since the war. <laughs> That's going to be Ings next year. Yeah, well, maybe Danny Ings next year, but I don't think he's quite there yet. So the question is, since since the Second World War, 18 Burnley players have scored more than 50 league goals for the club. And um, shall we kick things off with you, James Bird? Oh, you'd have to go to me first, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, 
Akinbaye? Oh, I'm afraid he's not right. Akinbaye was sort of near. I think he was... Um, I'll just check that now. Ali Akinbaye was 26, so actually a fair way away. That's a, that's a, a poor yeah. first guess, that. Yeah. Andy dis- Payton, then. Andy yeah, and Jay Pickup on our live chat has come up with Andy Payton. Well, and I can tell you, Andy Payton got to 69 league goals for the club, one of the, the greatest Burnley strikers in certainly modern can, history. Can we get rid of the innuendo in this episode, please? I love 69, 69 now. <laughs> that's, that's the point. You missed it, didn't you? <laughs> I was just doing the quiz. I'm being a professional broadcaster. I'm going to have to mark this as explicit in iTunes now. Sorry, what? I'm going to have to mark this as explicit in in iTunes. (laughs) It's it's a family show. Can we all please try and get things back on track? Andy, give me a... Nobody use the F word, then. (laughs) No F words. There's no no F in... Only one F in Fulham. (laughs) (laughs) This is just... Sorry. I'm, I'm going to have to go off the will be soon. Go on, have a guess, Andy. Uh, I'll go for John Conn again. John I thought you'd say that. And, uh, he's one of the top answers. In fact, I'm just checking. No, he's not the top answer, but he's certainly up there. 86 goals John Connelly scored for the club. Uh, the late John Connelly, of course. And we've had a guest already um, from Jay Pickup and a couple of the other lads as well in the live chat. Robbie Blake, of course who inspired us to promotion to the Premier League. You saw 61 league goals for the club. Um, we'll come to you now, Kevin. Have you got a guess for us? Um, I'm going to go with Jimmy Mack. Jimmy Mack, obviously, it's stand named after him at Surfmore. Arguably the club's greatest ever player. 160 mm. he scored for the club. Was there some dissent there about over greatest ever I'm player? Not, I'm not a fan. John Conn. I thought you were just going to say, I'm not a fan of Jimmy Mack about it. He was rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, that's the debate that I, I think we could have for another day um, just to reiterate the question because I think uh, a couple of people have already lost track uh, the question is there's 18 Burnley players since the Second World War have scored more than 50 goals for the club who are they we've already had a few um, I think we're up to speed on the questions on the sorry the answers from the chat so we'll come to you Daniel Bentley have you got a guess for us uh, I think this is an easy one uh, Ray Pointer Ray points, absolutely. Um, actually, Burnley's record goal scorer since the war with 118, 223 games. That's better than a, a goal like outstanding from Ray Pointer. <laughs> Charlie Austin's not right, that's correct. He, he ended up with 41, so he wasn't quite there. If he'd stayed for a, a few more months, then he probably would have got there. Um, we'll come back to you, James. Have you got better gets than Adi Akinbay? It was just dreadful, really. I don't think that was a dreadful guess. He scored a few goals. It was only half of that. Yeah. yeah, but it's hard to it's hard to well, never mind. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of someone, but I'm struggling, to be honest. Um It's too early for clues, so you just give me your name and we'll move on to someone else. Move on to someone else. I'll I'll come out to you. Oh, you're letting the side down today, James. You're letting the side down. Andy, we'll have one more from you then. I'm sure you've got loads. Um, I'll go for uh, Frank Casper. Frank Casper, very good guess. 74 league goals for Burnley since the war. Frank Casper, one of our more famous players, of course. I know him, actually. 
the cat. <laughs> of course they do. Of course they do. I used to I used to play out with his son when I was a kid as well. So I knew Chris Casper at one time, and he used to drink in the uh, the Gordon Lennox in Cliverger. Uh, come on, oh, we've, really, we've really got to have the the, uh, the, the six degrees of, of um, <laughs> Andy Devaney. This is yeah, we do have to sort that out. It's getting a bit silly now. Like, I'm, I'm, when I pick quiz questions, I'm aware when I'm walking through the answers of Andy. Andy's going to be there, going, "Yeah, I know him. I know him. <laughs> He's a personal friend." <laughs> I've, I've actually got an answer now, Jeremy. Oh right, go on then. I know we mentioned we mentioned him earlier, so this is what's prompted it. Andy Cook. Andy Cook is a very good guess. I wasn't sure anyone was going to get there. He just about limped over 50 votes. Round of applause for James Bird, who's suffering from a, a touch of the man flu, so we'll let him off being uh, not quite up to his <laughs> um, One more from you, Daniel. Have you got any more guesses for us? Uh, Leighton James. Leighton James, absolutely. Um, 66 goals since the war for the, the Welsh. <laughs> Andy Dolby's daughter. Not like that, though. Not like that. <laughs> um, we're down to the last the last 10 players. Like I say, if you are listening on the chat, please give us your guesses and help us get this quiz along to the end. And if you're on Twitter as well, you can use the NNN pod hashtag. Um, one more from you, Kevin. Me? Um, okay. Uh... <laughs> I oh, know, don't ping me! <laughs> Gifton No Williams. Oh, dear. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> that, that wasn't even a response to the answer, that was just the memory of Gifton No Williams prompting that. <laughs> 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 no, I'm afraid Gifton's not on the list. Our, our young panel is just, it's the, the knowledge of Burnley Football Club history is very, very disappointing. We're going to have to come back to you, Andy, and hope that you can. Make us all all look a little bit better. I'll uh, I'll go for. I don't. He must he must have scored fifty because he's the leading uh, scorer. I think Willie Irving. I think he scored just a few less than Danny Ings is going to score this season. <laughs> well, he yeah. 30, 36, I think he got. Wasn't he? So he must have scored fifty in his career. Yeah, absolutely. Seventy eight, according to the numbers I've got. Uh, he played quite a lot less games than some of the other fewer games even than some of the other players on this list, but definitely up there. I think Irving's record was the, the most in, in one season, was that right? Which is, of course, the record that Danny Ings is going to break. Um, I think we'll leave the quiz there for now and come back to it a bit later. If you on Twitter, like I say, use the hashtag NNMPod to get your guests in, in the live chat as well for that. Um, you've all let me down so far. I thought this was going to be quite an easy one. Some of the most famous Burnley players ever on this list, and you've just... Like the side down, it's poor, it's very poor. Um, so we'll move on to a, a very special announcement we've got today. Because today, today is the birthday of our very own James Bird. Good day, James. How's your day been? Um, well, as you as you touched on, I've got man flu <laughs> and I'm at work, so... <laughs> so he's not I'm your How old are you this year? 23. Did you get any good presents? Um, I, haven't really got, I haven't got anything yet. <laughs> this is, oh, I wish I had nasty now. This is, this is depressing. Poor James. <laughs> Shall we just have the music again? <laughs> yeah, that can be your present from us. I think it's awkward silence now, isn't it? <laughs> oh. 
So as well as your as well as your quiz answers, send in your birthday messages to James Bird, and we'll we'll read them. <laughs> we'll cheer up James Bird. That can be one of our aims for the rest of the podcast. Um, we spoke a little bit about David Jones's injury earlier on, and what 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 options Sean Dyche has got available to him. One option is, of course, moving Scott Arfield into the middle. And we mentioned it briefly, but Scott Arfield, of course, um, a really big performance from him to come back from that mistake against Rovers. And we've mentioned his character a little bit earlier, Kevin, but I think Arfield in particular has just shown such strength to score two in two. And he's not really known as a goal-scoring midfielder on the back of such a bad mistake. Yeah, and you can see how much it meant to him at the weekend. It looks, it looks like he's really, really enjoying his football. Um, he seems to be loving it here. Um, I didn't mention him in my, my balance piece midweek, but I think he's been an equally important player um, this season. I think um, when, when we signed him, none of us were that particularly excited. Uh, just a few months ago, he was just not good enough for Huddersfield or wherever he came from. Um, but I think Daesh has kind of identified some key attributes he wants in his players. Um, I think they're not just in terms of which, if, if he's good at passing or whatever, I think it's also mentally. Um, and Arfield's really fit in perfectly with that. Um, and I think, yeah, like I say, he's, he's shown real character. And I think he's, the character he's shown is really um, symbolic of the rest of the squad. I think somebody in the comments on my piece midweek said that... Um, Dice has got the team fueled on disappointment, and I think that's a really good, uh, good real way of looking at it. I think every time we've had a really bad result, um, the defeat we had earlier in the season—I can't remember where it was—and then the the draw at Blackburn, we've come back with three 0 wins straight afterwards. So I think, um, yeah, the way Arfield's come back is really symbolic of the rest of the, the, the team as a as a whole. And you've got to credit Sean Dice as well. I mean, it would have been quite easy to to drop Arfield after that mistake, but that might have been might have been. Um a bit of a knock to his confidence, so credits to Dash for sticking with Arfield, and he's been rewarded, Andy, by the fact that Arfield has scored those two goals, and probably been one of our better players in the last two matches as well. Um, yeah, he's, he's, he's definitely, sort of, like I said before, he's made up for, for his errors, and it's good to see that um, it's not affected him, because, you know, it, it can not, once players' confidence goes down, it's all about confidence, isn't it? And uh, I think... Uh, I think he's doing a good job. Do you think he's um, doing enough to hold out players like Tracy and Stanislas from getting inside on that um, way? Yeah, I think so. It's two in two in two games, and um, yeah, I think so. Um, although Stan, I mean, Stanislas scored against Blackburn and then haven't played since. But did he get a knock? Uh, don't know. I'm not sure. I think, that's, I that's think he's, he's do, we've won. We've won two games, and he scored in both. So I, I wouldn't be dropping him. If we're talking about confidence, Andy, it's a good, it's a good job he doesn't listen to a podcast after you said he should get a, a life ban from Turf Moor after the uh, Blackburn game. <laughs> I take that back then. <laughs> he's forgiven. He's forgiven. Uh, so we'll move on to the Forest game. It's busy podcast today with all these matches. Two games a week at the moment. Um, Nottingham Forest visitors Turf Moor tomorrow night, Tuesday night for the the third round Capital One Cup game. I suppose we'll be going into that game full of confidence. But with with Jones missing, James, what do you think Dash might be thinking for his team tomorrow night? Well, what Dash is thinking, what he should be thinking, might not be the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we can all guess what he's oh, oh, like to do. <laughs> I, I think I think Brian Stock should play if, uh, if Jones really? is out. Tell us about Brian Stock. I, mean, I, I think it'd be a good good opportunity for him to show us uh, 
you know, shows what he can do, especially in a, a midfield four, which many people say he can't play, but I'm, I'm positive he can. Uh, but I think he'll probably play Edgar, <laughs> um, which I think is a shame. It was almost like Adam was draining you out a little bit there. But yeah, I think um, Edgar's maybe more likely. And he could move Arfield into the middle and put another winger on. Um, what, what would you, your preferred option be for tomorrow night, Daniel? What do you think Dad should be doing with the side? Um, I'd, I'd, I'd be tempted to put Arfield inside um, and then maybe have Junior or Tracy out on the wing. That's what I'd do. I'd, uh, I think Brian Stock has his attributes but uh, in a in a in the midfield four I, I I don't see it and he's I, I think his his um his time at Burnley is certainly numbered as far as, as Dash is concerned. I think well, you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there were certainly stories in the press before the season even started that Stock was one of those that Dash was prepared to, to allow to go if there were takers for him. But um I think Bartley went out alone instead so Possibly stop needed as cover as much as anything now. Um, Kevin, a point from you on the midfield for tomorrow night, is it? Yeah, I I don't think I'd I'd move our field inside. I think what we need. To, I think one of the key things we we why we've been doing so well is the consistency between the teams. So I don't think we want to change it up too much. I think once you move our field inside, you then changing two different positions. You're changing the centre mid, midfield position. You're also changing the wing position. So I think I'd just be once you go for a straight swap, um, bringing somebody in for Jones, um, just to keep that consistency. And Andy, do you think it'll be pretty much the same again? I mean, we're all assuming Jones is going to miss out with that, um, uh, uh, the, the bad gash that he's got on his leg, but uh, he might be fit, so he might be able to line up. Do you think it'll just be the, that one change, or will there be a chance for a couple of others to come in? Um Based on the fact that he didn't swap the teams in the last round, and he said he didn't want to because he, um, I think he'll keep it the same unless injuries um, force changes. Well, this, this is certainly an argument. I think James obviously mentioned Stock, but there's players like uh, Edgar who's not played that much, and certainly Luke O'Neill's not played a lot of football this season. Maybe even Danny Lafferty. Um, obviously, there are. There are plus points to play in the same side every week, but James, do you think maybe players are going to struggle to come in when we need them unless they've played a game like this just to get some football under their belts? Um, yeah, probably. You need to probably give some of these these guys a start if you want them to be ready to step in because um, suspensions are inevitable in the midfield. In both Marnie and Jones are on four cards at the moment. And if they were both to miss a game at the same side, well... You've got no choice, but you're going to have to play either Stock or Edgar or move Arfield into the middle because you're going to have two centre midfielders out. And if you don't play them at all uh, before that, then you're not sure what what sort of form they're going to come into the game with. And really, in the grand scheme of things, when you've got a side our size, you need to prioritise. And while cup runs always nice, I think we'd all much prefer to be up around the top of the league come uh, May. Well, it's still early in the season, isn't it? So I'm sure there'll be fans out there listening, thinking, oh, we're only into September. You shouldn't be needing to, to rest players. But 
the fact is that the modern game, it's it's a lot of stress on these people's bodies, so you do need to manage the players quite carefully, and I think this is probably a good opportunity to have a look at the other players. And um, I'd be disappointed, certainly, if Noble's not at least on the bench. Do you think maybe a chance for a couple of young players, Andy, even on the bench, just to come on, get a taste of the action? Um, yeah, I'd like to see that, personally. I think um, it may only do that, though, if, if we've got a... If we're in a position where we're going to win, you know, say last ten minutes and we're a few goals up, perhaps um, I really do think that he's going to try his hardest to win, to win the game, um, which is good to see. Absolutely, we should be trying to win every game that we're playing. And one of the one of the things I was annoyed at Dashway last season was that I felt we were going into games trying not to lose them rather than making sure we're doing our best to win it. But this season's been totally different and we are being aggressive and positive. So I'm sure it will be a team that he thinks he's strong enough to win the game. Of course, looking at Forest, Forest might have won our own promotion, so whether they're going to play their strongest side is another question as well. And we've had a point on the on the live chat from Andrew Frost on Brian Stock, and you'll be delighted, James, that he agrees with you. I don't know if he's just being nice to you because it's your birthday, but Andrew agrees with you. And he says, Stock can still play a role for Burnley. He's very composed, but he's a poorer version of Jones. So certainly his cover, I think Brian Stock will be there. And we've lost Kevin. Kevin's had to go. So we're down to just the, the four of us for the rest of the podcast. Andy, you are a great man, but you're still slightly wrong. Yeah. I don't think he's anything like Jones. He's a completely different type of player. I, I, I think you're right. I'm not really sure. I wouldn't compare him to Jones either, but... I think the way Jones and Marnie have been playing, he's obviously not going to get in the side unless unless you do some major switching around. And I think everyone, really, every, everyone in that 11 at the moment is certainly holding down their place. And you can't really make a case for any changes other than for fitness and rotation as much as anything. I mean, I'd love to see Junior in that side, but when Arfield scored 2-2, two two, you can't really make a case for dropping him. And I think Kiteley's getting into his stride now. So it's, it's tough. It's tough for to decide what you should do but it will be interesting to see how we get on that's tomorrow night of course and we will have coverage of that game on No Name Ever Live so stick around for that um, I think we'll go back to the quiz now I hope you've all had your thinking caps on because it was a bit of a poor show in the first half of the podcast we still I thought I did alright <laughs> well you, you say that but I hope you're going to have some more answers for me the question just to recap there's been 18 Burnley players since the Second World War I've got more than 50 league goals for the club. So we've got some of the really big names from the club's history left on this list. So, Daniel Bentley, you said you'd done pretty well. Let's have another name off you. Uh, Andy Lockheed. Absolutely. 101 goals. I think they were probably mainly headers when he bulldozed the goalkeeper out of the way. But Andy Lockhead is a very good guess. And we've had one on the chat already. Martin Dobson, more than 60 goals. Not really known as a goal scorer, really double, but he got to 63 in over 400 games for the club. So Martin Dobson, certainly up there with um, the greatest players who ever played for the club. James Bird, I think you've got one there. Yeah, Jimmy Robson. Absolutely, 79 goals for Jimmy Robson, a player that was around in the 60s in the, the club's really prime history, prime history of the club. And there's a couple more from that sort of era that we haven't got to yet. Andy, any more personal friends of yours that you think might be on the list? I've got a good picture of Jimmy Robson of the week at Blackpool at the Vintage Clarets <laughs> game. <laughs> Not strictly relevant, but carry on. I once met Andy Lockhead's daughter. She's an uh, environmental <laughs> health officer. <laughs> oh, um, my all time, my uh, my favourite player when I was a kid uh, has got to be one, uh, Billy Hamilton. 
Billy Hamilton, absolutely. Northern Ireland international, wasn't he? Billy Hamilton, 58 goals for the coming 200 games. Never met him. Oh, yeah, I have. I got his autograph. (laughs) (laughs) And we've had a correct answer as well from Jay Pickup9. He's he's probably been better than any of us on this quiz. Paul Fletcher, the former chief executive. Another was my next guess. Oh, well, he's still there now, isn't it? He? he got 71 goals for the club, Paul Fletcher. So we are now down to the last have four. Done, have we done he Brian Pilkington? Um, James, I think you had one there. Brian Pilkington? Brian Pilkington, absolutely. I hope you're not cheating there. He seems to have got better in the last few minutes. 67 goals for Brian <laughs> I, I've Pilkington. I've been mulling them over. You've been mulling them over. Oh, congratulations. Um, Willie Irvine is right, Andrew, but we, he, he was covered earlier in the, earlier in the I, podcast. I'm going to do an Andy now. Willie Irvine's a great guy. Friendly guy. He, he Tell us a Willie Irvine story. He, he always asks me if I've lost my mobile phone again. That's <laughs> the story. Do you want to fill us in uh, anyone who's not aware of the, the James Bird mobile I, phone I, story? I, I don't think we need to, to be honest. I think we probably should. It's kind of a big deal and it's your birthday, so we should probably tell the story. well tread in the past. Well, I'll, I'll sum it up briefly then if you're too modest. Basically, James lost his phone and then got it back. And that was basically what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so three answers left on the quiz. Um, I'll do some clues if you're going to struggle, but I think I think we can get at least one or two. One. Go on, Andy. Uh, Peter Noble must be one. Peter Noble, absolutely. 63 hey, goals. Excuse me, are we going to take turns or not? Because that was my next guess after Paul Fletcher. <laughs> so, I'm, counting, I'm counting both of those two as a moral victory, so... <laughs> Does that mean you don't have any more? Uh, that means I don't have any more. <laughs> <laughs> any more from anyone on the panel? James, Andy? Uh, Steve Kinden? Stevie Kinden just missed out. I'll just check how many he got, but he's not on the list. I'm I afraid. that Blackpool game as well. It's a nice sure game. Stevie Kinden, 46 goals, so he was close, but he's not quite correct. I'll do the stats for the two that are left in. Um, this probably not. Sorry? Ralph Courts? Nope. Another incorrect answer. Your strike rate is pretty poor today, Andy, I've got to say. Ralph Courts, let me just find him on the list. Only 26 goals, so not really even close. Both these um, last players, their last. Gordon Harris is correct, so third time lucky. <laughs> <laughs> back in the game, 69 goals for Gordon Harris, and we are now down to the last one, the last yeah. You might last be back in the game, Andy, but in most game shows, you would have been eliminated after that many wrong guesses. <laughs> That's yeah, a good point. Um, I think for next week, we'll get Adam to get a, 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 a fancy football noise. Not fancy football. Um, yeah, that if you, game get, show. you get wrong, wrong, you can't have another guess, that'd be alright. Well, it would, apart from no one else is going to get any, so family <laughs> fortunes. That's the one. Um, I'll do some clues for this last one then. Um, 187 appearances for the club, 75 goals. Played for Burnley between 1949 and 1955. A centre forward. He went on to play for Sunderland, Stockport County and Bury before retiring in 1963. Born in Bolton. Deafening silence. Deafening silence. No. Oh, I don't think you're going to get it. I'm going to have to give you the last answer. We almost got there. So close. The last answer was Bill Holden. The last of the, the 18 players to have got 50 or more goals 
for Burnley Football Club since the war. Um, good early. quiz this week. <laughs> Never heard of him. <laughs> we'll get your dad on the podcast next week, Andy. He'll <laughs> be good at the quizzes. Uh, we'll round off then with a look ahead to tomorrow night's Forest game. Um, do you think it'll be a tough game, James, or our current form? Would you back us to come out of it with a win? It's hard to say, really. Um, it, it depends on what sort of side Forest put out, you know, where their priorities lie. Obviously, none of us know because Billy Davis won't give a press conference before the game. Absolutely. Um, so, really, they could be doing anything. They could be putting out 11 guys from the pub. But none of us would know because Billy Davis won't speak about it. Um, so, no, I think in our current form, I think we, we could, I think we should win. I'm uh, sensing some undercurrent comments there that you're not really a big fan of Billy Davis and his media policy. Uh, I don't, I don't really like Billy Davis. Um, <laughs> he's a bit of a... He's an angry little man, isn't he, Billy Davis? Yeah, I'd probably call him a, a word that begins with W, but... Um, <laughs> it's a family show. It's a family, family show, show, exactly. So, what's it? I'll, yeah, I'll call, I'll call <laughs> yeah, him what's That little it. what's it. <laughs> um, of course, we all remember Billy Davies from um, his time in charge of Preston, the famous playoff semi-final and he said job done after the first leg and then they didn't have the job done, I'm afraid. That's a shame. I have a, I have a Billy Davis uh, anecdote. Oh, excellent. So, uh, you know, if we're, if we're doing anecdotes about having uh, met people... <laughs> I uh, I used to uh, sit in, um, well, go in vice president's lounge at half time, and um, you'd often have like away um, opposition managers and stuff scouting for like the next game or whatever. And some of them would be really nice. So uh, Mick McCarthy was always really nice, and um, he was always in there. As was David Moyes. David Moyes was always there scouting at Burnley, even when we weren't even in the same league as Everton. So, but Billy Davis, I um, I was at the bar getting a drink and waiting to be served, and um, the barman's looking for food to serve next. And I, and I said, "Oh, you know, serve him." He was there first, and it was Billy Davis. Didn't even say thank you. No. Didn't even say cheers or thank you or even acknowledge my gesture. Oh dear, I've, oh, I've, I've heard some stories about Billy Davies, but I think that's the worst one. Like that's that's just absolutely terrible. You might as well piss on your shoes. It's just got X-rated on iTunes. <laughs> we're into the last ten minutes. This is where it all falls apart. Where we all are abusive about Billy Davis. I'm sure we'll get an excellent reception anyway from the, the Burnley fans who will, of course, all be in the lower tiers as part of the, the club's new let's get the fans close to the action because the players want it initiative. So you can't sit upstairs tomorrow night. Um, the ticket prices are quite cheap, though, so hopefully it'll be a, a biggish crowd tomorrow did night. You, for the did you just praise Burnley's ticketing price policy? I did. I snuck it in and hoped no one would notice. <laughs> On on the opening of tiers, I actually think opening just the lower tiers right. If if enough people aren't going to buy tickets to fill the upper tier, let's get the let's get the atmosphere down around the pitch. Uh, does it work though? I mean, if it's going to work, I've, then fair enough. I've been I've been told at the last home game, one of my colleagues told me the atmosphere was electric against Preston. So was that just because it was the game though? 
And uh, no, I don't know because as well, you've got to take into account that room has a window and you can't actually really hear anything. So for the yeah. atmosphere to be praised as good, it has to actually be good. Well, that's an interesting point. But I think um, it was probably just noise online from some fans complaining that they couldn't sit in their own seats, but there was certainly some upset that from season ticket holders that they were going to have to sit downstairs and that they might get wet, which is, of course, the worst thing that can happen if you go well, to the foot. I do actually sympathise for that, because when it rains in the bottom of those stands, it, it rains. Yeah. You get very wet. The design of the stand is the well, I assume it's a placing thing that they've decided to do the lower seas rather than the upper seas. I mean, well, no, I think just... it is an atmosphere thing because obviously, what's the point in having all the fans in the upper tiers? It looked ridiculous on on any sort of pictures when you've got a, a crowd that you can't actually see anyone at the players' height. Well, what was the crowd for the Preston game? It was like nine thousand or something, and it? it was less than ten, wasn't it? Yeah, but I mean, people say, "Why don't you open the upper tiers?" So it's not like it had much of a difference. Yeah. If we'd sold enough tickets to open the upper tiers, then people would have a, you know, a, a good, good grounds for a complaint. But to say that there was the demand there when clearly there wasn't because not that many people bought tickets, is you know, a bit weak. Sure. What was the what was the I attendance for the uh, Blackburn game? The attendance for the Blackburn game was less than sixteen thousand. It was fifteen and a half or something like that. Right. So that I mean that's pretty crap by Derby standards anyway. But, yeah, but I was watching it um, on TV here, and um, you know my, my 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 wife's American, but she's been on the Burnley games plenty and been on a Blackburn game, and she's on TV. You're looking at the lower tiers, and it looked like the ground was empty because you're just seeing the um, you know the, the bottom it, the the camera angles facing Bob Lord anyway. Um, but, and the Jimmy Mac was empty. Yeah, that's actually quite realistic. It it, it did just look. <laughs> it looks like the ground was empty, and she was like, "Why is why is it empty? Why is there no one there?" So, I think it's a good idea to sort of just force people down to the bottom. It, it, even if it's just for like, on replays, it looks better. <laughs> I'm not sure that's a good enough reason, personally. Um, Andy, come to you. You've got a point on this. I think when at the Preston game, the crowd was it was better. Um, I, I understand the reason for doing it. I do think it would be better if they had the one behind the goals open the lower tier and open the, the north upper, seeing as the majority season ticket holders are in there. But if that's where they're doing it, fine. But I think it should be unreserved seating. What sort of difference do you think it would make if it was unreserved, Andy? Because um, they're selling, they like they sold the standout, so it was pretty. You were pretty jammers in there, to be honest. Um, when you've got like all these other areas of the ground that are empty and everyone was sort of. Man, you suppose that'd make it worse if it was unreserved. But there were a lot of people sort of argy barging around, and I saw a lot of that on that game. Um, stewards sort of trying to people in wrong seats and things, and you know, first come, first serve, really. I, I think yeah. you just proved your point as to why it should be reserved. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah kind of. you, you lost your way. Yeah, well, yeah, but I think you had a point on the, 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 the James Argreaves upper should be open because it's a bigger, a bigger space, room. and then it yeah. wouldn't be an issue then. But they literally yeah. jammed as many in as possible, and then said they'd open the other stand if needed. Well, what happens if they only sold another? They sold that out, sold another ten tickets. You'd have ten people sat in a full stand. Well, we had a comment from Andrew on the on the live chat as well. He says, and this is something we've heard about before, but we've not really been able to corroborate this. But we've heard stories about people actually being turned away from the turf for the Preston game just because some of the turnstiles have been closed because there were too many people in already. 
So, so that's true. Happen- that my mate got turned away. Well, we've heard from a few different people, but there's been nothing official. There's nothing in the press or anything. But if if we are in a situation where people are being turned away when there's two stands closed, then that's obviously very very silly. If the club's going to be making an eight million pound loss, uh, I think on one on one hand though that shows just how few people booked in advance. And if you're told that only the lower tiers will be open, waiting for the upper tiers to get released is a stupid strategy. And I mean, in the end. If those people who got turned away were people who did that, they've kind of got their just desserts. I think that's that's an argument to be made, but I'm sure they thought that you should be able to turn up and and just pay your money on the gate and walk in. It shouldn't be that much of a problem, especially if there's only going to be nine thousand odd people going. So yeah, it's I mean, just an argument, and it'll be interesting to see tomorrow night the, if there's any changes to the way it's been handled. The point was made there as well. See if you've got another ten people turn up. Unfortunately, 10 people is not enough to steward a stand, um, which probably also comes into why you couldn't just open a stand at that sort of short notice. No, and of course, the stewarding and the policing and even stuff like staffing the bars, that's everything that the club has to take into account. But it, it is a poor do if we are having a situation where people who want to go on the turf can't get on, even though there's 10,000 empty seats. I've had a point from Matthew as well on the live chat <sighs> tickets for the Blackburn game in the lower tier and when he got them he ended up sat in the upper tier so it sounds like he'd been sold the wrong tickets there Who's uh, the bonus though that's it well exactly he should, he should be quite chuffed really he got an upgrade he went to the wrong turnstile and they didn't check his ticket possible <laughs> the panel's saying that you've not really got anything to complain about that Matthew uh, I think we'll round off with some predictions shall we for the, the Forest game we'll start with you Andy what do you reckon it'll be tomorrow night uh, five two. Really? <laughs> now, how yeah. many of those five is Danny Ings going to score? Dare I even ask? O- o- only three. <laughs> only three. Oh, well, it was close to a hat trick against Birmingham, wasn't he? Arguably, should have got one. He had plenty of chances. Yeah, I was, oh, I was absolutely. I was very angry when he took it. In fact, I think I shouted "dash out" at one point when he <laughs> took him off. <laughs> 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 jokingly, of course. Yeah, jokingly, of course. <laughs> James, comes to you. Prediction for tomorrow night. Five nil. Just because we've scored five twice in the last four uh, visits to the turf, so I think we can do that again. That's interesting. Is that a bit of an insight to your previous encounters column for tomorrow? Well, I haven't written it yet, but maybe. <laughs> I would hope beating the team by five a couple of times would, would sneak in there. Um, prediction from you then, Daniel, to round off the show this week? You see, I don't think Forrester mugs, so... I'm going to go 1-1 one, one at full time and uh, anybody's an extra. I agree. I think it'll probably be quite a tight game. I think Forrest will play a strongish side and Andrew's chipped in before he thinks we're going to get beat. Thanks for that. That's a nice positive way to end the show. Uh, we'll just do a quick round-up of the, the fantasy football leagues as well because I don't think we've done that for a couple of weeks. Uh, the league leader hasn't changed. In the last few weeks, we've still got Chris Chaplin setting the early pace. He's got 318 points up at the top of the league. Um, one of our contributors is hot on his tail, though. David Whitney is up there in second place. Adam Heap, another of our contributors at None Ever, is 12th. I'm just scrolling down to see um, where the rest of us are. It's a bit of a big gap. I'm 41st, solidly mid-table at the moment. Can't see your name here, James Bird. I'm not sure what's I'm been going on with your side. I'm at 74th. I'm, I'm playing my wildcard this week. I think you probably should um, because that is rubbish. 
You yeah, are five I'm, off the bottom. I had a good start. I've, I've got a little private league going with a couple of my mates. We've each staked 25 quid, and it's going very badly for me. Um, <laughs> I was leading at the end of the first week, but I still blame uh, Jose Mourinho, really, for one matter. Uh-huh. That's really... We could do a a whole other podcast about Jose Mourinho and Juan Massa, but I'm not sure how interested Burnley fans would be in our opinions on that. And in the um, the two leagues we've got going on, the the fancy Premier League sites and uh, in the head-to-head league, the only team still with um, maximum points is Crocs in Frocks, who have 15 points from five games and they've got 300 points on the board as well. So congratulations to them. Um, The details for these fancy football leagues are on the site if you wants to join up late and um, I think you just go in the, the leagues as it goes I don't think you start behind or anything so that's well worth doing if you fancy you do on the old fantasy football so we're all expecting it to be a, a pretty good game tomorrow it'll be normally another live at about half seven tomorrow if you're not going to make it to, you can follow the game with us James doing a, a, a big cough there will you be with us tomorrow night James from half time from oh, half time James will be making a second half appearance James Bird on his birthday of course today um, and we will be back next week of course for the podcast and the game on Saturday as well we'll be doing the live blog as well so plenty to look forward to and I'm sure we'll have plenty of content going on the site as well so keep an eye out but that's about all we've got time for today so thanks a lot for my guests Kevin Robinson who, who left us a bit earlier this week James Bird birthday bird today happy birthday james bird daniel bentley andy giovanni and adam howarth who's been producing for us tonight and we will be back next week thanks a lot for listening if you've got any feedback use the hashtag nnm pod on twitter or you can email us blog at net. thanks a lot for your time goodbye bye 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 you've been listening to the no nay never podcast for more visit net. and don't forget follow us on twitter at net. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.